Good morning, everybody. I think it's time to gather the rabble together. Sorry, did I just, did I just call you a rabble? Huh? That's a, John Mike says that's about right. Okay. I'm not, I'm not used to it every Sunday in here, being with the kids uh, most weeks. Uh, good morning, my name's Manny. Um, I'm married to the beautiful Sinead, who's sitting down there. Woo! Um, Sinead and I are part of the staff team here at the South West London Vineyard, which is where, in case you were wondering, you find yourself this morning. The South West London Vineyard Church, that is. Um, uh, we are responsible for kids and families. Um, we have our own family uh, as well. Three uh, lovely children most of the time. Um, who are out in Vineyard Kids, in different parts of Vineyard Kids this morning. Um, as I say, I'm often, I'm often around those parts, but I'm excited to be here this morning uh, speaking to you. Um, Neil and Kate are the senior pastors here, Neil and Kate Woodward. They're away at the moment, which is why uh, Mike had the privilege of speaking last week, and I have the privilege of speaking today. So um, i better unpack my uh, sermon. So it got sent to me in a box. Here it is. Open up. Ta-da. Let's see. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, fully prepared. It's Top Gear Challenge. What's inside the box today? Okay. Um, so uh, when I die, I'd like to be buried in an ice crematorium. And I'd like a traditional Sunday service. I'm not just trying to break the ice, I promise. I'm, no, I'm not just trying to whip you up to delight. But just a sprinkling of comedy never hurts, right? It was comic relief on Friday. Got to chuck one in there, just for fun. Uh, so this morning we're going to be carrying on our series on Nehemiah. Uh, Mike skillfully went through Nehemiah 6. I'm going to hopefully skillfully um, go through Nehemiah 7. Uh, it's up there. We don't quite need it yet. Hang on a sec. Um, or N7, as I've got in my notes for sure. It sounds like I've got some special program that's called N7 to pass on to you this morning that the Lord has given me. I've just got a few thoughts. Um, but uh, before we get into this, we should pray. And I was, as I was thinking about what I should pray, I, um, I thought about a traditional vineyard prayer. Did you know there was a traditional vineyard prayer? Oh, some, I, can hear, I can hear echoes of it in the audience. Um, audience, congregation. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I don't mind. That's okay. I can handle that. Uh, I'm calling it the John Mumford Prayer. Um, John, uh, who planted this church with his wife, Eleanor, uh, 30 years ago this year. That's right, isn't it? Um, anyone there at the start? Who was anyone here at the start? Yes. Rock and roll. Oh, yes. Yeah, a couple of people here right from the beginning. Shane and I have been here 15, 16 years. You've been here longer than me. I've been here about 15 years. Uh, but we were privileged to be a part of the church when uh, John and Ellie were, were still leading it. They are now the coordinators of the Vineyard International Executive. In other words, the archbishops of the Vineyard. Don't let me... Don't tell them that I said that. Um, Effectively, that's what it is. Uh, Shalane and I learned so much from John and Ellie. Um, if you ever have a chance to hear them, listen to them, 
um, do make sure you take the opportunity to have so much wisdom to pass on. Uh, Sinead and I, I can safely say, we're disciples of John and Ellie, uh, and as we are now, of Neil and Kate, and we're excited to be part of Neil and Kate's team. Uh, I was going to pray, that's right. Okay. Oh God, oh God, oh God, help. Wait. You know, I prayed that I, I prayed that the other day as I was um, prepare, starting to prepare this, as I was starting to think about this, and I felt a tangible sense of God's presence straight after I prayed that, as I I think I do now, and uh, God's presence and power inside me, and we might say I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and as I, I hope that is the case right now. There's something a mixture between nerves and caffeine and and the Holy Spirit, but that's a pretty good mix, I reckon. So we might call this an arrow prayer. Don't worry, I'm getting on to Nehemiah. Uh, it's the kind of prayer that it's pretty clear Nehemiah was quite familiar with. Um, as King Artaxerxes asked him, why does your face look so sad? In chapter 2, verse 2, to which he responded that his ancestral home is in ruins. News that had been brought to him by um, a brother of his that we read in, read in chapter 1. And he was heartbroken and he laid it all down before God. And then in that moment in verse 4 in chapter 2, when the king asks, what is it you want? We have this amazing little hiatus in the middle. And Nehemiah, who's already prayed about this, uh, it, it says in the Bible, it says, Then I prayed to God, and to the God of heaven, and answered the king. Now, I'm sure there wasn't very much time between the king asking a question and Nehemiah answering the question. I suspect there's only time for an, oh God, oh God, oh God, help type prayer. It doesn't say that's what he prayed, but um, I think it was probably something along those lines. And we, we can use our own prayers. We can use that prayer uh, whenever we like, you know, wherever you happen to find yourself, whoever you, whoever you happen to be standing before, whether it's the king, whether it's your boss, uh, whether it's your children and you don't know what to do next, whether it's whatever situation you find yourself, whether it's just the beginning of the day and you want to get through that day today, or if you happen to have woken up with one hour less sleep than any normal day. <laughs> um, to Nehemiah, he goes ahead and he asks not just for some time off to go on a building project or a mission, mission trip, but also for travel visas, uh, building materials for the project, and his own accommodation. Uh, the king grants him everything and chucks in first-class travel and a personal escort for good measure. We need to move on. Uh, Nehemiah inspected the wall when he arrived in chapter 3, and we read about all those uh, that helped. We imagined uh, Nehemiah asking for volunteers. And we now have made famous one of those volunteers. Uh, can you tell me the most famous volunteer? So I heard it. Malkajar, very good. And what does he build? The Dungate. Very good. And many of you have responded to Neil's call for Malkajars. So thank you, Southwest London Vineyard. We need you, and uh, the Southwest London Vineyard needs you in the coming weeks and months as we seek to make our move uh, to the Ark a success. And I want to repeat Mike's call from last week. Uh, Mike said this, I can quote because I got his notes. Um, if you have not yet signed up for a team, you need to get involved because it would be a shame for you to miss out on the blessing one receives when serving alongside members of this church as we look to advance the kingdom of God across southwest London. Come on, we can do that, we can do that. So in chapter four, this is my re- recap in case you're wondering. Um, I'm going I'm to get on to chapter seven eventually. We've got a while, haven't we? Yeah. In chapter four, we then see how Nehemiah, I mean, yeah, no, no. 
I was going to say something inappropriate, but I won't. Uh, in chapter 12, we then see how Nehemiah handles opposition against his people and plans to rebuild the wall as he plans and his plans to rebuild the wall. Again, he prays. The people pray together and they foil the plot to attack. Now, it seems appropriate uh, to reflect, reflect briefly on our context here. Uh, we've been told many plots for attacks in London have been foiled, but of course there was one this week uh, which was not. But London was ready nonetheless. Just as Nehemiah commanded that wherever the Israelites hear the sound of the trumpet to join Nehemiah there, so the alarm was raised when the houses of parliament uh, were attacked, and the attack did not succeed. But not without tragedy nonetheless. So our response, like uh, that of Nehemiah and the people, should be to pray. There's nothing more appropriate than, oh God, oh God, oh God, help. Help the families that have been affected by this tragedy. Help those who are injured and recovering. Help the leaders of this land to make good decisions. And Lord, heal our land. So chapter 5. Chapter 5 sees Nehemiah dealing with confrontation. He's dealing with inequality and imbalance. And finally, last week, as I said, Mike dealt skillfully with chapter 6 and how Nehemiah used his gift of discernment uh, to know what was going on and not get distracted from his calling, coupled with the knowledge, an intimate knowledge of who he was before God. Now, I've uh, seen and been involved in all sorts of building projects, church building projects, and indeed church mill moves from one building to another. On my gap year, I spent uh, four months in Ecuador uh, with a team, a team that included Sinead, by the way, you know where that particular story ends, um, <laughs> helping local churches build their own new church buildings. Uh, our first project involves uh, digging foundations by hand. With well, not literally hands, but with we had shovels, but that was that was it really. Um, moving piles of stones by hand, that was actually by hand. Um, it was super hard work, and with what seemed like little reward. It was very hard to envisage what the church would ever look like. Um, then we moved on to our second project, and there work had already been started, work had already been done, the foundations had been laid. We were uh, we were building walls. We could start to see what the church building would look like. The area was defined. There was a way in and a structure. It was far from finished, far from, a place, from the place of worship that it would become. Uh, however, I remember at the second project, as we prayed for it, God giving me a picture of the church building full of people, which wasn't a foregone conclusion because uh, the church didn't have many regular members, certainly not to fill the size of the building we were building. Before we left, we organized an event inside the unfinished building. And sure enough, the building was filled with people. Okay, let's get on to Nehemiah 7. And we're going to read uh, just verses 1 to 5, which you can follow up there, possibly. Okay. Hmm. I need to follow up there, too, because I don't have my notes. Uh, Or I can just read from here. Here we go. After the wall had been rebuilt, and I set the doors in place, uh, the gatekeepers... The musicians and the Levites were appointed. 
I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there are few people in it, and the houses, there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been re- rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. And we'll pause there. Okay? Uh, following which is a long list of names, which I could read, but I'll leave that to you to read in your own time. <laughs> I'm kind. Okay. So verse 1, which is where I want to focus, I must say. Uh, what a relief it must have been to see those walls built. That first bit of the first verse, after the wall had been rebuilt. Uh, and what must have seemed to many, indeed, um, as those who opposed the Israelites would have had the Israelites believe. So something, something so very hard to envisage uh, when they started. Like the place um, I found myself when we as a team arrived at the building site in Ecuador. What are these walls uh, going to be? What do we do with these burnt piles of rubble that they had before them? But God had put a plan in Nehemiah's heart. It seems Nehemiah had a vision that went above and beyond what he could see. Indeed, he had not even seen it before. I believe he had that vision. Um, before the walls of Jerusalem were built, Nehemiah could see that with God, it was possible. It was doable. People tried to discourage them, talking about the piles of rubble. But Nehemiah and the people did it. They rebuilt the walls. They actually did it. And the doors were set in place. The walls define their area, defines their space. The work is far from finished, as we'll see, but they've finished the walls and they're safe. Time to relax, perhaps? No. Nehemiah knew this was just the start. Now they had defined their safe space, uh, they had another priority. He appointed gatekeepers, musicians, and Levites. Welcomers, worship leaders, and teachers. I'd like to first talk about the musicians, the worship leaders. Nehemiah wanted to restore corporate worship. At the Southwest London Vineyards, worship is our highest priority, at the center of what we do and who we are as a church. That's why we worship together when we get together, whether on a Sunday morning or in our house groups. We want to lift up God's name. We want to put Jesus at the center, and we see corporate worship as such an important thing. If we consider Christianity to be a personal thing, just an individual faith, then something is not quite right. As we come to Christ, we are made part of the body of Christ, better known as the church. We are called into a worshipping community, the courts of the king, the terraces of our team to sing and shout our hearts out in praise, bringing our hearts to him individually, but together in praise. It's why we sing so many songs that have I in them. Because despite being part of the crowd, part of the congregation, singing together, we are bringing worship from our hearts to his. Unlike the human courts of kings and queens, or the terraces of a football stadium, we can connect personally with our God and our King. Ephesians 5, verses 18 and 19 say, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. 
Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Make music in your heart to the Lord, together, with psalms and hymns. All those psalms where the writer is pouring out their heart uh, to God. And as we do that, we're filled again with the Spirit. I often hear people say, I really felt something in worship today. As if it's a surprise. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Worship is something we hold dear in the vineyard movement. Intimate, expectant, passionate worship. Together to our wonderful God. You know as well as I do that worshipping God is not a Sunday only activity. I love putting on worship songs at home. If no one else is around, that means at high volume, because that's just what I like. Um, And worshipping whilst washing up or doing whatever it is I'm doing. And of course, we live our lives as an act of worship to God. But there is something about coming together on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening at your house group. Losing our preoccupation with ourselves and giving our hearts to God in worship. Allow yourselves to be drawn to be drawn close to God. Be expectant that as you worship, you will connect with your maker and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that in turn, increasing your passion for a passionate God. We don't have our own building. And whilst we're so excited to be moving to the ark, the church isn't about buildings. And as different to Nehemiah's time, it's no longer about whether you're, you can find yourself in the family records, as we look, which you see further down in Nehemiah 7, to prove that you're a part of the people of God, to be allowed through the new gates, past the walls, and into Jerusalem, the city of God. Jesus has come, and he's opened up a much larger door. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in the book of Acts, it's simply put, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. This is our defining line. This is our safe space space within which we worship and indeed why we worship. And it may be that you, this morning, you're looking for, uh, for, the safety, for safety from the whirling storm of life. Maybe you've been in exile too, away from the heart of God. He says to you, come in. If you will also say to him, come in. Come into my heart and my life. Things do change with Jesus in our lives. And as you come into the community of God's people, the church, you will be built up. You will be restored. You will find healing. We say here, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. You know, the Israelites, they didn't have it all together. They'd come back from exile to half-empty towns and a land that had not been farmed. Their knowledge of God and the ways of God was pretty low. They had been away from their homeland. Many would not even have seen it uh, before, as they would have, it would have been their parents or grandparents um, who were take, the ones taken into exile. And Jerusalem, well, sure, the walls uh, were built, but the city was all but deserted. We don't have to have our stuff together to come and worship God. Our lives may be a mess, but we can come and worship God. We may have messed up, but we can come and worship God. And anywhere in between, we can come and worship God. John Wimber, who founded this movement of churches known as the Vineyard, said this, 
a result of our worshipping and blessing God is being blessed by him. We don't worship God in order to get blessed, but we are blessed as we worship, as we worship him. He visits his people with manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I really felt something in worship today. That's in my notes, but I really did. <laughs> um, come as you are. Come with an open heart. Come in expectancy. Be drawn into the passionate heart of God. Okay, the Levites, the teachers. Colossians 3, verses 16 to 18, which is Walter's mind, that one. Um, it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your, in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you. They needed teachers to teach them everything, including reading the scriptures to them, as they, many of them would not have been able to read themselves. We have the luxury of being literate, uh, so we can read the scriptures for ourselves. And alongside that, we can read commentaries, Bible studies, books about the Bible, and various aspects of faith. But we still need teachers of God's ways. As we come, in, come to him in worship, and we talk and listen to him in prayer, and as he speaks to us in a variety of ways that he does, uh, our appetites are whetted for knowing him more, knowing more of God and understanding him and his ways better. Read, read the Bible, read it regularly. Make use of the wealth of Christian literature uh, to help inform our understanding. Ask others for recommendations if you don't know where to start. If you don't know where to start, come and listen to, uh, yeah, that is if you don't know where to start. And come, to listen, come and listen to people preaching and teaching from the Bible on a Sunday morning or a Bible study, or your house group. If you miss a Sunday morning, uh, you can listen again from the comfort of your connected device that let, what lets you play podcasts and stuff. Um, uh, I've listened to many speakers, but I must say Neil and Kate are right up there with the very best. I urge you not to miss what they have to say, whether you are here or not. It is something that is central to us here at the vineyard as well. Teaching and preaching and learning from the word. Uh, finally, welcomers. We are to be welcoming people into the kingdom. We are to proclaim the kingdom of God. We are heralds sent by God to tell the people about the true king of the world. Um, we are to tell people that they can be saved. We are to be involved in people's lives um, we know so many people who are figuratively hanging around the gates of the kingdom. As, and we, as gatekeepers and welcomers, are trying to tell them and show them that they are indeed welcome. And that it de is definitely within their interests to come in. I joked at the start about how I'd like to be buried, but I would certainly like to know I've pointed as many people as I, as I can uh, towards God so that I might stand alongside them in the full coming of God's kingdom on the earth. And of course, as we read in verse 4, uh, now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. We see that it was not just the walls and the temple that were in ruin, but the whole city, a large and spacious city, 
There's something about that that sounds, sounded familiar to me. Yes, the ark that we're going to is large and spacious. Um, and though uh, we are not small, we are indeed more than when um, the southwest London Minyard first moved into the ark, uh, there is plenty of space for us to fill. It's been really interesting hearing the language uh, that Neil and Kate have been using as we've been doing site visits or discussing ele- which elements of, uh, of our move. It's never if we grow, it's when we grow. It's never if we use the balcony, it's when we use the balcony in the main hall. As a staff team, we believe that God has us going to the yard because we need the space. We see the Southwest London Vineyard growing and expanding in all areas. Just like I saw that picture of the church we were, we were building filled with people, we believe that for the ark. We see that for the ark. Yes, it will be different um, when we move, and it will change the feel when we start to grow more. But just as Nehemiah was about to assemble the people of Israel to work out who would live in Jerusalem, uh, in verse 5 it says, So God put it in my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. God's put it into Nehemiah's heart um, to fill Jerusalem, to find a way to fill the city. In a sense, we are all gatekeepers. We are all welcomers of people into God's kingdom. Who is God putting on your heart to talk about your faith, to invite your small group, to invite to Alpha, uh, to invite to come on a Sunday morning. It's an exciting time. Thank you. Finally, um, I said finally already, but this is finally, finally. Is that all right? Um, a little, little word more on, on verse 5. Uh, on, hear, on hearing from God, Mike touched on this just, as in, in just before we went to the break. Um, in verse 5 it says, So God put it in my heart too. God showed Nehemiah what to do. Uh, Nehemiah is so accessible in so many ways, uh, with heartfelt prayers, quick arrow prayers, strong prayers, and hearing from God in ways that seem quite straightforward. He is what you might call naturally supernatural. Um, There is a book by that name, by Gary Best. If you're looking for books, I can recommend that one, certainly. Um, Hearing God is not just for prophets, preachers, pastors, or particularly holy-looking people with beards. Uh, And hearing God for what to do next is quite within all of our grasp. Ask God to plop things into your mind. A picture, a word, a dream, a vision, a verse from the Bible, a feeling in your heart. Tell someone about it. Test it against what the Bible says. See if someone else at your house group unknowingly has something from God's for you that concurs with what you feel God is saying to you. And as Mike said, maybe God is saying something to you this morning. Maybe as we worshipped. Maybe as I've been speaking. Maybe as you simply picked up a cup of coffee. What is God saying to you today? And as Mike said, we urge you, if you feel you've got a word for somebody else, to pass it on to somebody else. Okay, let's recap. Finally, finally, finally. We talked about the musicians restoring corporate worship. The centrality of worship in the vineyard, especially at the South West London Vineyard Church, where we find ourselves this morning. How we can say, come as you are, come with an open heart, 
come in expectancy and be drawn into the passionate heart of God. We talked about the Levites, how the people needed teachers to teach about the word of God, how we need to seek to learn and to be taught so that the message of Christ may dwell in us richly to inform our daily walks of worship and our weekly wonderful worship as we worship together as a church. We talked about the gatekeepers, the welcomers, as we seek to welcome people into the kingdom of God, to welcome people into the body of Christ, the church, and to welcome people into the large and spacious place that is the ark. And we've just talked about hearing God as being naturally supernatural, as something accessible to all of us, to inform ourselves in our lives, to inform the lives of others, and even to inform the church of what God is saying right now. So, shall I say finally again? No, let's leave that. I mentioned in the middle somewhere how we can come to Christ. Maybe that's, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've felt in exile somehow from, from Christ. Maybe this is the first time you've considered saying to Jesus, come into my heart. If that's you this morning, take a moment. So, Jesus, come into my heart. I welcome you in. And I also feel like there's a, there's an oh God, oh God, help. That's, that is what it is, but it is for some of you particularly that you, that's, that seems like the only prayer you can pray. Oh God, oh God, help. Um, why don't we stand? <laughs>